I don't know how your week's been. Uh, it's been distracted for me. I mean, lots of things going on, not only locally, but worldwide. Um, but at the beginning of the week, all the stuff going on with Boston, and I know many of you have been praying about the families that are there and the horror that, that took place there. Um, and then, uh, you know, then many of you, uh, maybe like me, uh, spent the night up on Wednesday night hoping that your basement wouldn't flood. Or if it, maybe it's still, I was just talked to one person a while ago and they said that Spring Bay is in the process of flooding right now um, because the water continues to rise. So I've been through that uh, in Virginia many years ago and know the horrible part of that and, uh, and how that is so, uh, you feel so hopeless in a case like that. Uh, so we want to be in prayer for those families. I know there's some families in Roanoke that uh, they go to church here as well. I don't know if any of those were affected by this, but... Uh, you know, it's a time where there's a lot of things going on around us that cause us to be distracted from uh, a lot of the main things of life that we tend to think, do every day, our jobs, uh, our time with God, all these different things. So I just want to spend just a few moments in pray, prayer for uh, the things that are going on around us, the people in Boston, but also the people locally who are going through distress right now and trying to figure out what's, uh, what the next step is there. Okay, let's, let's just pray for a moment. God, I just thank you so much for your goodness to us and the fact that in the midst of all the ups and downs of life, the reality is you're with us. But it still doesn't uh, exempt us, God, uh, from the things that happen. Um, we were horrified, God, uh, to understand what happened in Boston this past week. Uh, as, as families lost lives and and many people were injured and many people are still in the hospital there and life will never quite be the same in that locality, especially in uh, that one particular place where so many things have happened. And God, right now in the midst of this week, as we have experienced uh, the uh, incredible um, amount of rainfall and, and all the, the ramifications of that, uh, we um, Pray for those who are right now trying to their best to save their property and do the things that need to be done this morning. We would pray that you would just be uh, with with them uh, and be with us if we have any ways of helping them during this time as a community of believers. We pray, God, that you would just guide um, our time today, God, in your word, uh, that it would not only be informative for us, but also be, um, uh, as we look at your word, it'll be life-changing as well. And just guide us in this time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we come to almost the end of a long journey. Uh, We've been in the story, if you're new here, we've been actually doing a thing called the story, which is an overview of Scripture. We've been reading together a a book, which is called the story, which is actually a chronological condensed version of the Bible. Uh, We started last September, which seems like an eon ago. Uh, and been through uh, 29 chapters. Today we're in chapter 30. Next week we finalize the, the story in chapter 31, and uh, then we'll go to something new. Um, uh, this morning, as we have, I, I meet on Sunday mornings with different members of our leadership team to uh, pray before the service, and one of them asked me, he says, uh, uh, how's it going with the story? And I said, well, how do you, do you mean personally? Do you mean uh, from a church perspective? And I said, I've had a lot of positive feedback that people say it's been a great journey. Uh, to help them to give an overview, and I hope it has been for you. Uh, Personally, it's been a great thing, except I'll just be honest with you, it's been the longest series I've ever done, and so I'll just, uh, I'm I'm excited to finish up, and uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, uh, 
uh, being able to talk about uh, some other areas of Scripture. Uh, but this is hugely important as we finish up today. I thought how timely uh, the message is today and the part that we're in, chapter 30, which calls, talks about Paul's final days. It talks about finishing well, about how do we uh, leave a legacy in our life. And uh, it's interesting when I was reading uh, some, some historical things. I love history. And uh, there was a time in history when there were two of the most influential people uh, in, in the world at that time. And one person was unknown. One person was very widely known. Two famous men lived in, a, lived in the same city, in the city of Rome, uh, during the seventh decade of the first century. Uh, they just lived there for a brief period of time. The Apostle Paul and the Emperor Nero. And um, uh, their lives overlap for the short period of time. And, of course, no one took note of Paul in that day. Uh, he was an unknown oddity. Everyone was fascinated by Nero. Uh, Nero was the, was the emperor. He was a young, flamboyant, um, affluent person. Um, if Larry King and Oprah had been around in those days, they would have interviewed uh, Nero, probably had him on their shows. And uh, Nero was a hero and Paul was a zero. That's basically what was happening in that day. But if anyone knew anything about the Apostle Paul, they would have regarded him as an odd, eccentric uh, kind of religious fanatic who continually talked about this teacher named Jesus Christ as, this, as if he was God. And so Rome did with people, with, with him, what they do with people like that, these eccentrics. They locked him up and they left him in prison. And so as he was suffering and growing old in prison, Nero was often joined a life uh, of, of luxury. Uh, had you interviewed the common man on the street in the first century uh, and asked them this question, who is going to make the greatest difference in the world, Nero or Paul, uh, they would have quickly answered, Nero, of course. And there are, or they would have said, Paul who? That would have been their response. See, Nero had everything going for him. He was married uh, two or three times, uh, and particularly his second marriage, he was married to a uh, lady named Pompeia Sabina, and who was, uh, according to the history books, uh, a beautiful head-turning blonde. And it says that she uh, took daily baths in donkey's milk to keep her skin soft. They had this giant tub, and they had to fill it up with donkey's milk every day, and she bathed in it. A matter of fact, uh, they said in that day that, that uh, Nero would keep 400 donkeys there on site just to supply the milk for his wife's baths. And then also what happened is that uh, after she took the bath, it said that her servants would dry her with swan feathers and massage her hands with the mucus of crocodiles. I want to know who discovered that the mucus of crocodiles was a great uh, uh, you know, spa treatment. I don't know. It didn't really catch on too much. I don't know if any of you have ever done that before. I've never heard of that. But that's what it says in history. Uh, you see, the reason she did this was because Nero liked soft-skinned women. And what Nero liked, Nero got in his, his day. And so at the age of 25, about the time the apostle Paul was in prison, Nero deified himself, and he erected a giant statue, a colossus, that was 120 foot tall, with his own figure at the top. And, and as people walked around Rome, they had no choice but to look up to Nero, because there was he, he was on top of this giant giant statue. Now, the, the only place in history, there's one little place that describes the Apostle Paul in a historical document. And this is how they describe the Apostle Paul. He was bald-headed, bow-legged, strongly built, even though he was small in size, 
he had meeting eyebrows. He had a unibrow, okay? And, and he had a, a larger than average Jewish nose. That must have been a big one, is all I can say. Uh, he was not an attractive person. Uh, and if we were to take a closer look, probably we would have seen the scars also that crisscrossed his back from all the beatings and the abuse that he had taken over the years, and probably his joints were stiffened as well. And so that was the two different people, Nero and Paul. And the end of Paul's life was very difficult. He spent several years under house arrest in Rome, uh, was released for a time, and then was arrested again. And at that time, he was changed in a, chained in a dungeon and eventually executed and with Paul about to leave the scene, he identifies his successor and passes, passes the torch on to a young man named Timothy, and at, the, at least in the short term. But today I want to talk about, it's not just about passing the torch to Timothy, but the torch is passed by extension to us as well. And, and, and it's about leaving this legacy. So with the finish line in sight, Paul summarizes his faithfulness in life and his fearlessness in death, and he gives us a few lessons to learn uh, as, as we carry the torch from Paul to the present. And he does this because he wants us to live the consistent Christian life, the life that really makes a difference in people's lives. So let me give you four things today that I found in Scripture that Paul does. Uh, it's always a challenge I share with you every week. And that's, that's one of the things, a challenge to take all the Scripture that you've read this week and condense it into a 30-minute sermon. That's the biggest challenge I have almost every week with the story, is how do you focus your attention? Let me just share with you a few things. As Paul was finishing his life, he, he wrote a couple of books and, and, and one, uh, a couple of letters. And one of them was to this young man, Timothy, who was to be his, his, uh, his, the person that Paul had mentored. And so some of the last writings that we know of Paul is, is called First and Second Timothy. They're the first letter he wrote to Timothy and the second letter he wrote to Timothy. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, you might want to turn over to Timothy, Second Timothy. And we'll begin with chapter 3. We're going to look at some passages from there and these things that Paul told us about how to, how to lessons we can learn from him about how to live a, con, a consistent Christian life. The first one is this. He says, if you want to live the consistent Christian life, you need to keep enduring. You need to keep enduring. If you've been here with us through the story, one thing has been incredibly obvious. If you haven't got this before. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're immune from difficulty. Because if we've gone through the story and looked at the lower story, the people's lives along the way, we have seen time after time after time that fought people who follow Christ closely endure difficulties in their life, suffering, difficulties in their life. And so one of the things that Paul says is that's being a reality of life. We need to keep enduring. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, he says this, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Then he says this, Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and, and have become convinced of because you know that those from whom you learned it. See, J Jesus, in a real sense in Scripture, he promised us that if we follow him, we will endure. He, we would have, what did he say? Take up my cross. And a cross is something you will have. It's, it's, it's this thing that he calls us to bear. But he also says to us that I'm going to give you the ability to endure as you go through that. They go with the territory when you name him as Lord and Savior. 
as opposed to the more popular and politically correct choices that so often that people make. Paul tells Timothy to persevere through persecution, to follow his example of endurance, his patience, his faith, his love. It's kind of like this. At work, you may be expected to compromise your ethics if you're a believer in Christ, but you have to keep on enduring. Um, In your friendships, if you're a believer in Christ, you may be ridiculed in your newfound faith, but you need to keep enduring. In your dating relationships, if you're a believer in Christ, you will be, I don't think maybe, you will be uh, pressured to have sex before you're married, but keep on enduring. If you're a believer in your marriage, you may have that brother-in-law coming next week. Yeah, I don't get it. But keep enduring. It may not be the brother, maybe the sister, maybe your, 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 I don't know, whatever the deal is. But the issue is, is that you've got all these things you have to endure in life, right? And the thing is, is that Paul says, if we are going to live the consistent Christian life, we have to remember that we have to keep enduring. Just don't give up. Paul says that the Christian life will have its challenges, but it's, you, it should come as no surprise to the follower of Christ. If anything that we have learned from the story is this, is that the Christian life is full of surprises and challenges. Everybody in Scripture that we have looked at, I don't know if there's been one person that we've looked at since September as we've gone through the story that did not have challenges in their life they had to endure. Some are more huge challenges. Others were smaller challenges, but all of us will have challenges in our life, so it should not come as a surprise to a follower of Christ that we will have challenges and suffering, sometimes difficulties in life that we need to endure. But Paul reminds Timothy, he says, you know, Timothy, hey, God was with me through everything. And as I look back in my life as well, I look back on the times where, when I've gone through the difficulties of life and I can look back and say, God was with me. I mean, at the time, sometimes I didn't like it. It's not like I'm going like, yeah, let's come on, bring on the difficulties in life. I never say that. But the issue is, is that God has been faithful in every one of those times. So keep on enduring. That's the first thing that Paul says. The second thing is Paul says is this, keeping the scriptures, keeping his word. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3.15, he says, From infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you're going to follow Christ and be consistent in your Christian walk and make a difference in the world, as Paul followed Christ, we need to be equipped. The reason that every week that we study this word, the reason that we encourage you that every day that you need to be in God's word and read God's word, not just for information but for transformation, is because it equips you to live life. And all the difficulties. This is not an obscure book about stuff that used to be. This is a book about God's principles and God's plan for us to live life. I mean, right now we have over in the other room over here, uh, just next door, uh, there's a class going on. It's, it's some parents of young children who are, who are gonna be doing, they're gonna be doing child dedication. And Mother's Day. But for this week and next week, during this time, in this service, over in another room, Dan Baker, our children's pastor, is teaching the biblical principles of what it means to be a parent. See, we, we understand that this is a practical book that helps us in every way in life. If you want to know what God's plan is for your business, what it is for your marriage, what it is, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, what God's plan is for your marriage. We're going to look at it. God has a plan in everything, so we need to be equipped in all those things. 
So we need to keep reading and studying when we're confused, when we're depressed, when we're, we're frustrated, when we're discouraged, when we don't know what's next. The Bible equips followers of Christ for every good work. That's why we've tried to give you an overview of Scripture so that you understand that even the Old Testament and the New Testament all together fits together in such a way that it's a package. There's a cohesive plan in God's Word from beginning to end. It says this in first Timothy and second Timothy chapter four it says in verse one, it says in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead and in view of the period and of his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He's talking to Timothy, but he's also talking to us. And then he says that for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. The third thing that he says to us is keep preaching. But you're going to want preaching is something pastors do, right? No. You know what the word preaching really means? It doesn't mean something I do on Sunday morning. You know, this is part of preaching. Okay, this is considered preaching. But you're a, you're a preacher. Preaching is simply announcing good news. Any of you ever have any good news? If any of you have ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have at least that good news. And so what Paul is saying, he says, he says that every one of us, he says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season as people approach. I had a young lady this morning come to me and says, hey, uh, I had some questions about some stuff. How do I... What about it? So I gave her a copy of the, the case for Christ, a case for faith or something. I can't remember which one. It was one of Lee Strobel's books. Because we have to be prepared to, to, to share with others as they have questions along the way. And, and, and it equips us. And so we have to keep, keep, uh, uh, keep preaching. We have to keep, keep sharing the word. Preach the word. Be prepared to do that. It's not only something the delivery of sermons in a worship service, although that's part of it. It's also about every Christian being prepared to tell good news. I mean, we had an interesting group, small group yesterday morning. I have a men's group, and we're always, we, we actually study today's message yesterday. They're my sermon prep group, that's what I call them. I told them that. Sometimes it happens that way. It was really cool. And so yesterday we were talking about the, one of the last things, one of the questions we had was, you know, what good news can you tell us? You know, what good news? And we, we shared, it was some really cool sharing going on yesterday in our group about some things that God was doing in their lives, about what God had been, been working. And that's sharing the good news. And, and God says we're all charged with that duty. I love what it says in First Peter. Peter says this, not, not Paul, but Peter says in First Peter 3.15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, sometimes it's not only what we, what we share, it's how we share it. Do it with gentleness and respect. What has Jesus done in you and through you and even to you in your life? What has he done in your past? If, has he forgiven you of your sin? What is he doing in your present? Is God at work in your life today in some area of your life? Uh, and what about your future? Do you have a hope for heaven? If you have any of those things, and I think you probably will have all of those things in your life, the reality is, is that Paul is saying to us that the consistent Christian life is, is a life where we are prepared to share good news. And if it's truly good news, we want to share it with others rather than keep it to ourselves. I mean, how many of us, if we have great news, just shut our mouths? I mean, if we have something exciting happen in our life, if you have a birth of a child, how many of you say, well, I'm not going to tell anybody. 
It's a secret. So why would we not share the best news that, that there possibly is? The news that God has done something in our life that can, only God can do. I love what, uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time comes from Francis of Assisi. And he says this, he says, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. I love that quote. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know, every day, you're preaching whether you're saying anything or not. If you claim to be a believer of Jesus Christ, and, you're, and people are looking at you somewhere, you are preaching with your life. By what you live, and how you live your life, and how you approach things in life. I'm, you know, I could see that every day, and this, this past week... I, as I watch the news and as I encounter people, I can kind of tell where they are with Christ in regard to how they approach life. Can you not do that? It's true. Uh, this past week uh, uh, at a funeral, I was going, man, what an incredible uh, testimony. It was a celebration. A celebration of a life well lived. Of a person who finished well. And see... That's the thing that Paul said. He says, keep preaching, keep telling people why in the midst of chaos you can live at peace. In the midst of difficulty, you can live a stable life. Because for 30 years, Paul's saying here, for 30 years, Paul had witnessed and worked throughout the Mediterranean world. He, has, he had been helped and hated. He had been assisted and attacked. He had been commended and cursed. And whatever else could be said about Paul's life, it was anything but dull. Because, in fact, everywhere that Paul went in his life along the way, everywhere he went, he either started a riot or a revival. And sometimes both at the same time. He was never neutral around Paul. And so Paul, that was the thing about Paul. He was going like, you know, this is the thing about life. Live life to the fullest. That's the kind of life that God wants all of us to have. And then Paul says this, as he's getting ready, one of the very near the last thing he said in 2 Timothy 4, 6. He said, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. What does he mean by that? He's being poured out like a drink offering? You're like, what does that mean? That's a strange thing to say. Well, in ancient Rome, anytime there was a banquet... It concluded with a ritual, and the ritual was this. They took a symbolic glass of wine, and they would pour it out on the ground in honor of their gods as a way of kind of giving something to the gods, saying, Here, here's an offering to the gods. Paul borrowed from that pagan imagery that everyone was acquainted with in that day. Everybody knew about this. And what he describes his life as, he says, My whole life, is an offering that has been poured out, but it's been poured out to God, to the true God, to the only God. It's not like this symbolic thing, it's just a real thing where my life has been poured out for Him and everything that I do. And Paul used those, that description when he talks earlier in Scripture about our life being a living sacrifice for God. Because Paul had served God since the day he was saved, and he understood that, ever since the day on the Damascus Road. And now as Paul approaches the end of his life, he approaches the end of his life, uh, he, he says, I will complete that sacrifice by laying down my life for the one who gave his life for me. 
And that is why Paul is passing the torch on to Timothy. He knows his, t- knows his time is near. And so Paul would say this to us. The fourth thing Paul would say to us is this, keep pouring. Keep pouring into pouring your life out for God. That's the fourth thing he says. In Acts 20, 24, this is what he says about, uh, this is the, one of the things it says. It says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know the interesting thing about it so often in life? It's not about, we're talking about finishing the race here. But Paul understood what the race was all about on the front end. Because if we don't understand what it's at, we'll come to the end of the race and we're going like, I wish I'd have known. I wish I'd have done something significant with my life. Paul says this earlier on in his life. He says, I consider my life worth nothing. My focus in life is worth nothing unless I finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given to me. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what the focus of your life is? What is the aim of your life? Is it to make lots of money? Is it to become a legend? Is to become famous? Is that your goal? Is your, is your, or is your goal in your life to live for Christ? The earlier we discover what our goal is, the sooner we'll begin to, to act, actually act upon that goal and work toward that goal in our life. You know, I always loved, uh, there was a survey done many, many years ago um, of people who had lived to be at least 100 years old. And, it was, and they asked them a uh, simple question. They said, you know, if you had life to do over again and you're already 100 years old, what would you do differently? Not one of them said I would, every one of them said this. He said, I would do things, more things in my life that would make a lasting significance, that would be of lasting significance. I would spend more time building relationships and encouraging others in their life. This was not even Christians. These were just 100-year-old plus people. The thing is in life, see, Paul looks ahead with confidence and certainty in his life because he knew what his goal was, what his purpose was in life. Do you know what? Do you know what you want your life to count for? When you leave this earth, do you want to leave this earth with an impact that will last long after you're gone? If you do, then follow the example that Paul says that he passed down to Timothy. And it wasn't about living life safely. He faced all kinds of adversity, yet yet he did not cower, he did not compromise. Even after being beaten in prison, he could still say, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. That's why he approached life. And from all that we can gather from the writings of early Jewish historians, shortly after these words Uh, these words that he wrote in Timothy, in 2 Timothy, he was executed. And by whom? By that world-famous Nero guy. He was beheaded. (laughs) Paul's life began on the Damascus Road and it ended on a chopping block in a prison cell in Rome. He died in obscurity In that day, no one hardly would have known Paul as far as the wider group of people. That was one life. Nero, at the age of 29, was lonely and paranoid. His first wife was killed by, his first wife was killed by his second wife. 
And Nero was upset and kicked his second wife, who was pregnant, and she died. Great guy. And then Nero became depressed, and four years after Paul's death, Nero committed suicide. See, Nero really wasn't any hero. But Paul still impacts us to this day. So who, really, between Nero and Paul, made the greatest impact in this world? Two different lives, two different endings. You know the word that Paul says, and when he says, um, in, in that thing about, in the, in the verse about being poured out and the time for my departure is near? The word departure is an interesting word. The word departure used there means this. It means to hoist up an anchor and set sail. It's not about an ending, it's about a beginning. He says the time for my departure to leave this earth is, is at hand. Paul saw his death as a release from this world. He saw death as an opportunity to sell into eternity. It's a picture of setting sail and arriving in a safe harbor of heaven. That's what Paul pictured as he talked about there. You know, the thing in, in our world today, there are no St. Nero cathedrals anywhere that I could find. Not one. But in almost every city you go in in the world, you'll find a St. Paul something. I looked it up, there's, there's a church in Peoria named St. Paul. I don't know of anybody who's named their child Nero. I do know of somebody named their dog Nero. <laughs> Somebody's shaking their head, yeah, Nero the dog, yeah, uh-huh. How many people have named their, their children Paul or Pauline, feminine form of Paul? Maybe it's not a popular name right now, but it was a name for many, many years. But Paul, I mean, how many people did do those type of things? See, I have read nothing written by Nero. Not one thing in my life written by Nero. But almost every day I read something, not only read it, but I meditate upon it because it's scripture that was read, written by Paul. Who are the real difference, ma difference makers in the world? Not the spotlight-seeking, attention-craving celebrities like Nero. It's the ordinary Pauls and Paulines, people who are believers in Christ, who are making a difference for all of eternity. So your goal is not to become a legend. Your goal is to, become, is to leave a legacy. That's what Paul says. If you're going to live the Christian life, your goal is to leave, leave a legacy. And that's what Paul did. He was totally sold out to the, for the cause of Christ, regardless of the cost. And so as one of the last things he says in all scriptures in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. He says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed, who have longed for his appearing. See, Paul had the right focus, the godly focus. He endured through all this stuff. He stayed in God's word. He, 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 he went through life in such a way that he kept pouring his life out for God and every day of his life, that's what he did. And because of that, he leaves an incredible legacy. What about you? What about me? What do we want to do? I want the impact of my life to be beyond just just now. And I think you do too. You want to live a po leave a positive legacy for your kids, 
for your grandkids, for the people that you impact in this world, the people that you teach, the people that you, you work with. You want to leave that kind of legacy in your life because you know that you want to make a difference because that is where people really are when you stop long enough to ask yourself, I want to make a difference. And Paul tells us how to do that. And he, he says, you know, all the trials and all the challenges will be worth it. As long as I stay and, and fight the good fight and finish the course. But the only way that can happen, the only way that can happen is that God has you. And he is your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask you this morning, where are you in relationship with God? I mean, what is your goal in life? Just to get up and work and go through the motions? Or is your goal in life to honor God with everything you have? To fight the good fight? To run the race? To make an impact for all of eternity? I'm about to lose this microphone. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakcc.org.